History, Patterns of Interaction, Chapter 13, Section 1, Marching Towards War, Setting the Stage. At the turn of the 20th century, the nations of Europe had been largely at peace with one another for nearly 30 years. This was no accident. Efforts to outlaw war and achieve a permanent peace had been gaining momentum in Europe since the middle of the 19th century. By 1900, hundreds of peace organizations were active. In addition, Peace Congresses convened regularly between 1843 and 1907. Some Europeans believed that progress had made war a thing of the past. Yet in a little more than a decade, a massive war would engulf Europe and spread across the globe. Rising Tensions in Europe While peace and harmony characterized much of Europe at the beginning of the 1900s, there was less visible and darker forces at work as well. Below the surface of peace and goodwill, Europe witnessed several gradual developments that would ultimately help propel the continent into war. The Rise of Nationalism One such development was the growth of nationalism, or a deep devotion to one's nation. Nationalism can serve as a unifying force within a country. However, it can also cause intense competition amongst nations, with each seeking to overpower the other. By the turn of the 20th century, a fierce rivalry indeed had developed among Europe's great powers, those nations were Germany, Austria-Hungary, Great Britain, Russia, Italy, and France. This increasing rivalry among European nations stemmed from several sources. Competition for materials and markets was one. Territorial disputes were another. France, for example, had never gotten over the loss of Alsace and Lorraine to Germany in the Franco-Prussian War of 1870. Uh, Austria-Hungary and Russia both tried to dominate in the Balkans, a region in southwest Europe. Within the Balkans, the intense nationalism of Serbs, Bulgarians, Romanians, and other ethnic groups led to demands for independence. Imperialism and Militarism Another force that helped set the stage for war in Europe was imperialism. As Chapter 11 explained, the nations of Europe competed fiercely for colonies in Africa and Asia. The quest for colonies sometimes pushed European nations to the brink of war. As European countries continued to compete for overseas empires, their sense of rivalry and mistrust of one another deepened. Yet another troubling development throughout the early years of the 20th century was the rise of a dangerous European arms race. The nations of Europe believed that to be truly great, they needed to have a powerful military. By 1914, all the great powers except Britain had large standing armies. In addition, military experts stressed the importance of being able to quickly mobilize or organize and move troops in case of a war. Generals in each country developed highly detailed plans for such a mobilization. The policy of glorifying military power and keeping an army prepared for war was known as militarism. Having a large and strong army made citizens feel patriotic. However, it also frightened some people. As early as 1895, Frédéric Passy, a prominent peace activist, expressed a concern that many shared. Quote, the entire able-bodied population are preparing to massacre one another. Though no one, it is true, wants to attack, and everyone protests his love of peace and determination to maintain it, yet the whole world feels that it only requires some unforeseen incident, some unpreventable accident, for the spark to fall in a flash and blow all Europe sky high. End quote. Tangled alliances. Growing rivalries and mutual mistrust 
had led to the creation of several military alliances among the great powers as early as the 1870s. This alliance system had been designed to keep peace in Europe, but it would instead help push the continent into war. Bismarck Forges Early Pacts Between 1864 and 1871, Prussia's blood and iron chancellor Otto von Bismarck freely used war to unify Germany. After 1871, however, Bismarck declared Germany to be a, quote, satisfied power, end quote. He then turned his energies to maintaining peace in Europe. Bismarck saw France as the greatest threat to peace. He believed that France still wanted revenge for its defeat in the Franco-Prussian War. Bismarck's first goal, therefore, was to isolate France. Quote, as long as it is without allies, Bismarck stressed, France poses no danger to us, end quote. In 1879, Bismarck formed the dual alliance between Germany and Austria-Hungary. Three years later, Italy joined the two countries, forming the Triple Alliance. In 1881, Bismarck took yet another possible ally away from France by making a treaty with Russia. Shifting alliances threaten peace. In 1890, Germany's foreign policy changed dramatically. That year, Kaiser Wilhelm II, who two years earlier had become ruler of Germany, forced Bismarck to resign. A proud and stubborn man, Wilhelm II did not wish to share power with anyone. Besides wanting to assert his own power, the new Kaiser was eager to show the world just how mighty Germany had become. The army was his greatest pride. Quote, I and the army were born for one another, end quote, Wilhelm declared shortly after taking power. Wilhelm let his nation's treaty with Russia lapse in 1890. Russia responded by forming a defensive military alliance with France in 1892 and 1894. Such an alliance had been Bismarck's fear. War with either Russia or France would make Germany the enemy of both. Germany would then be forced to fight a two-front war, or a war on both its eastern and western borders. Next, Wilhelm began a tremendous shipbuilding program in an effort to make the German navy equal to that of the mighty British fleet. Alarmed, Great Britain formed an entente or alliance with France. In 1907, Britain made another entente, this time with both France and Russia. The Triple Entente, as it was called, did not bind Britain to fight with France or Russia. However, it did almost certainly ensure that Britain would not fight against them. By 1907, two rival camps existed in Europe. On one side was the Triple Alliance, Germany, Austria, Hungary, and Italy. On the other side was the Triple Entente, Great Britain, France, and Russia. A dispute between two rival powers could draw all the nations of Europe into war. Crisis in the Balkans Nowhere was that dispute more likely to occur than on the Balkan Peninsula. This mountainous peninsula in the southeastern corner of Europe was home to an assortment of ethnic groups. With a long history of nationalist uprising and ethnic clashes, the Balkans was known as the powder keg of Europe. A restless region. By the early 1900s, the Ottoman Empire, which included the Balkan region, was in rapid decline. While some Balkan groups struggled to free themselves from the Ottoman Turks, others already had succeeded in breaking away from their Turkish rulers. These peoples had formed new nations, including Bulgaria, Greece, Montenegro, Romania, and Serbia. Nationalism was a powerful force in these countries. Each group longed to extend its borders. Serbia, for example, had a large Slavic population. It hoped to absorb all the Slavs on the Balkan Peninsula. Russia, itself mostly a Slavic nation, supported Serbian nationalism. However, Serbia's powerful northern neighbor, Austria-Hungary, opposed such an effort. 
Austria feared that efforts to create a Slavic state would stir rebellion amongst its Slavic population. In 1908, Austria annexed or took over Bosnia and Herzegovina. These were two Balkan areas with large Slavic populations. Serbian leaders who had sought to rule these provinces were outraged. In the years that followed, tensions between Serbia and Austria steadily rose. The Serbs continually vowed to take Bosnia and Herzegovina away from Austria. In response, Austria-Hungary vowed to crush any Serbian effort to undermine its authority in the Balkans. A shot rings throughout Europe. Into this poison atmosphere of mutual dislike and mistrust stepped the heir to the Austrian-Hungarian throne, Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife, Sophie. On June 28, 1914, the couple paid a state visit to Sarajevo, the capital of Bosnia. It would be their last. The royal pair was shot at point-blank range as they rode through the streets of Sarajevo in an open car. The killer was Gravilo Princip, a 19-year-old Serbian and member of the Black Hand. The Black Hand was a secret society committed to ridding Bosnia of Austrian rule. Because the assassin was a Serbian, Austria decided to use the murderers as an excuse to punish Serbia. On July 23rd, Austria presented Serbia with an ultimatum containing numerous demands. Serbia knew that refusing the ultimatum would lead to war against the more powerful Austria. Therefore, Serbian leaders agreed to most of Austria's demands. They offered to have several others settled by an international conference. Austria, however, was in no mood to negotiate. The nation's leaders, it seemed, had already settled on war. On July 28th, Austria rejected Serbia's offer and declared war. That same day, Russia, an ally of Serbia, with its largely Slavic population, took action. Russian leaders ordered the mobilization of troops towards the Austrian border. Leaders all over Europe suddenly took notice. The fragile European stability seemed ready to collapse into armed conflict. The British foreign minister, the Italian government, and even Kaiser Wilhelm himself urged Austria and Russia to negotiate, but it was too late. The machinery of war had been set in motion.